This week, Jane and I will continue our discussion of Firefly with episode 3, Bushwhacked, plus I'll share my reactions to the new full trailer for Solo, A Star Wars Story. Let's do it. talked about the solo trailer, the teaser trailer, and how I was a little underwhelmed by the trailer and was having a hard time with someone else playing Harrison Ford's iconic role. It just kind of didn't sit well with me after that first trailer. Uh, a week ago, the first full trailer was released. The last one was like a teaser trailer. This was a full trailer. It gave us a little bit more story details, uh, and we just got to see a little bit more of what to expect from the movie. And I had a completely different reaction to the new trailer. I loved it. I really got excited by it. There was a couple things in particular that really excited me. Uh, The first, I think, biggest thing that excited me was more Chewbacca. There was that line where, you know, Han's like, where'd you learn to fly? You're what, you're 190 years old? You look great. Uh, I love that so much. You know, recognizing the fact that Chewbacca is very long-lived because fans of the Fans of the series will know that, but I think a lot of casual viewers will not. So having that right in the trailer was exciting for me. Um, it's like, oh, wow, they're going to, you know, tell us a little bit more about Chewbacca. That's really exciting. And we saw Chewie embracing another Wookiee, which I, I'm wondering, is that Mala? Is that his mate from the holiday special? Oh, my God. If that's the case, I'll be so excited. If they're tying in holiday special canon to the Solo A Star Wars movie... I will be thrilled. I really hope that's what's going on. (laughs) And on top of that, I actually was a little bit more impressed with Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo in this new trailer. I, I, you know, I, I think that maybe in the teaser, there was just some editing choices that I found awkward and uncomfortable. There was a couple moments where uh, Han would say something, and then they'd just kind of sit on his face for a second, and he looked uncomfortable. And I'm like, wow, is that... Han Solo? That doesn't feel right to me. (laughs) Maybe it was just poor editing for the trailer. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just crazy. And maybe this is just me having this weird opinion. But in the new trailer, I I felt like there was a lot more of Han in his performance than there was in the teaser trailer. There's a couple moments where he's just standing there not talking, like, you know, uh, getting his blaster ready or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, he kind of embodies the character a little bit more than I had assumed he would. So, I'm just excited now. I, there's a lot more that I'm excited about in the film. I think mostly it's learning more about Chewbacca's backstory. Seeing how Han and Chewie meet and become friends is exciting to me. Uh, you know, I have this version of the story in my head from the from the the Han Solo trilogy of books that I read when I was a kid. Um, my impression from the the full trailer is that maybe they're both working on this crew together on this job that uh, Woody from Cheers hires them for. And and maybe that's how they meet, is by working together on this job. And for some reason, uh, maybe in the course of that, Han saves Chewie's life. We might have even seen a bit of that when, you know, Chewie's falling out of what looks like a, a maglev train and Han is holding on to him. Maybe that's the moment where where Han saves Chewie and Chewie owes Han a life debt from that point on. You know, the whole idea of a life debt is a little is a little uncomfortable depending on how you treat it uh, because I've always thought of Han and Chewie as best friends and the life debt thing seemed like, you know, just like an aspect of the relationship, but their friendship was the important part. And if if that's not treated well in the movie, that's something that's going to bother me. So I don't know. I'm just a I'm just an annoying fanboy. Who am I? It doesn't matter. Anyway, let's get into our discussion of Firefly with Jane. We're on to episode three, Bushwhacked. Here we go. Take my love. I don't care, I'm still free You can't take the sky from me Take me out to the black Tell them I ain't coming back Burn the land and boil the sea You can't take the sky from me I found serenity But you can't take the sky from me 
right, we're back. Episode three. Yeah, bushwhacked. Bushwhacked. Uh, So this is where Firefly takes a turn for the dark. (laughs) Seriously dark. And we get to see a little bit more of what Joss originally intended with that tortured, kind of morally ambiguous Mal who doesn't always do necessarily the right thing. Yeah, he totally feels like Mal from the pilot and not mal from the train job yeah it's it's definitely not the like wacky hijinks uh slapstick kind of cracking wise every few minutes it's it's more of like space sucks life is hard sometimes we have to do things we don't like in order to survive like scavenging from the dead (laughs) yeah yeah it's really interesting it does it does still feel like one character, like even mm-hmm. knowing everything about the background noise of yeah. like what was happening behind the scenes. Yeah. It's still like we talked about last time. It just feels like Mal on a different day is in a different mood. Yeah. And this was a bit of a rough day. I love both <laughs> sides, like or the many sides of Mal. But yeah. um, it's really nice to be able to see the, you know, gritty underbelly where things aren't always going so well and see how he reacts. Yeah, totally. Also, just like the gritty underbelly of the show, because mm-hmm. uh, as far as this type of fun space-faring adventure shows go, this one definitely has more of like a dark underbelly than a lot yeah. of the others. Yeah. Most sci-fis, everything is shiny and things are like well-funded and it's right. always like government vessels and it's like, we have unlimited supplies. Right. We <laughs> have a like, replicator. <laughs> exactly. We can make whatever we need. But... Not like we're going to have to cut down a bunch of like mutilated bodies that have been strung up in this hole over here. Right. Like, that is like rough. We need that to live. So we're going to have to literally pick through some corpses and like, right. <laughs> totally. Good. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw this, I was like, holy shit, this is yeah. dark and dark upsetting. Side. And that, that the kid who becomes a reaver by mm-hmm. the end is like yeah. really disturbing. Yeah. To really think about that. Like one of the things that I love about this show, um, Joss Whedon said from the beginning, there's not, aliens in this world this is humans colonizing other planets they're terraforming so maybe you'll see like weird plants or something here and there whatever but mostly it's humans on other planets and it's exploring that it's not you know a bunch of federations of other entities coming together and like living in harmony and peace it's it's people getting by right and uh so even though he introduces this kind of force that's not really explored fully in this episode it's really just like a glimpse of what reavers are you don't actually see them yeah you don't see them at all but you you get a feel like they mention it multiple times they're like they're humans they're just men they've gone crazy but what exactly like what level are they at what's going on you hear about mutilations and crazy acts that they do but it's reinforced over and over again they are or at least they started out as humans yeah and totally and it's really interesting that they build up so much tension around something that's not even seen in the episode yeah i i it's nice it's almost like a horror film in Uh that regard like what you don't see is scarier what your imagination fills in like they could be anything you have no idea yeah like if that kid was so traumatized that he did what he did to his own face mm-hmm. by the end of the episode yeah. to try to be like them, then what are they like? I know, They like, must be awful. <laughs> how bad was it that seeing them cracked his brain and he's right. like totally damaged now and he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to have to be that now. Yeah. So. And, it, you know, it's so funny. I mean, I don't want to give spoilers for the movie Serenity, but uh, in, in this episode, I had thought, without having seen that movie, that Reavers were just, you know people who had gone to the edge of space, gone mad, and Mm -hmm. then, like, that dark spirit kind of propagates itself, and more people turned into Reavers just after seeing this madness. Yeah. And this episode kind of uh, is almost a red herring for what Reavers are. And without giving spoilers, you do eventually find out more specifics about how they came to be and all that and what they actually are. Right. We get a little bit more details later on, but it's mentioned multiple times throughout the series and and even the movie that there's like an existential element of what created Reavers. Uh Uh-huh. Totally. They are on the edge of civilized space. They've gone a little bit cuckoo and they're just not quite right because they're so far 
they're like they're just so far out that they're yeah. they're not quite right. And I really liked that. I thought yeah. that that was such a cool and scary thing to do. It's yeah. like if you get this far away from the core of humanity mm-hmm. and you stare at stare out into the blackness of space long enough, yeah. like maybe you two will will lose your mind and turn into a reaver. Right. You know, there's something so scary about that. It was really fun, and I think if the show had gone on a little bit longer, he would have really explored that yeah. further. But with the limitations of the movie and wanting to give some closure to the series, it totally. makes sense that they just put a little MacGuffin of what they did in the movie, which we won't talk about yet. Right. We'll put a pin <laughs> in this discussion until we watch the movie. But yeah. that it was it was on my mind throughout the episode because this version of Reavers I find more frightening. Right. Uh, the one that the show presented. But it's so funny because like I think about Reavers in my mind and I think that I've seen them, but then you watch this episode and you don't see them. There's no actual Reavers. You don't even get like some sort of weird flashback that you get in a lot of TV shows where it's like, this is what happened during the crime. Right. But like, it's just the the remnants of what's left behind. Totally. the, The broken survivor. And it's so well put together that you see... Like, you see inside of what was left behind to see what was there. Like, you get a really good sense of what was there, even Mm -hmm. though they just paint the space around it. Yeah. And I love that. I think that's so interesting and unique. You just don't see that often. I I really enjoyed the way that this one was done. Yeah. Apparently, there is a psychological phenomenon called... um, It's like repetitive compulsion or something, where something is so traumatic that you... You endure something that is so, like, haunting to your very core that you have to act it out over and over again. And you're, like, perpetually stuck in a loop of, like, this thing has changed who I am. I must keep doing this thing. So I think that's probably what Joss was trying to channel with the the kid. Yeah. This was written and directed by Tim Tim Minear, right? Yeah. 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 This is one of the... I think this is... Well, he did he? No, he did not get a co-writing credit on either of the first two. I think this is Tim Minear's first writing credit on the show. I think this was the first sole one. Let yeah. Let me double check because it's been a bit. <laughs> um, I, yeah, this one is really, really disturbing. And I really like that the show is willing to go this far this early with the disturbingness. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine being in the meeting at like 20th Century Fox was like, well, we're going to do like a, a psychological horror thing that's going to be really upsetting but we're not actually going to show the bad guys trust me it's going to be great (laughs) right like they had just given all these notes like can you make it lighter can you can you tone it down with the with the harsh Uh reality and the gritty and like just make it more fun it's like okay that's great now we're going to go to reverse (laughs) yeah the the people behind the scenes must have been so pissed at joss he's like this is exactly what we told you not to do and this is what you've written (laughs) yeah um let me see here it was directed by Tim Minear. Uh It was written by them both. Oh, it was written by them both. Okay, yeah. cool. Or at least that's what the interwebs is telling me. We got to believe the interwebs. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is ever wrong on the internet. Yeah. Um, um, Tim yeah. Minear has a lot of my... Like, his episodes tend to have a lot of my favorite character stuff mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. Uh, Out of Gas, obviously, we keep Out talking about. Out of Gas about. is amazing. But this one has one of my absolute favorite pieces of character building in mm-hmm. the whole series, which is the interrogation sequence. Is there any particular reason you don't wish to discuss your marriage? Don't see that it's any of your business is all. We're very private people. The legs. Oh, yeah. I definitely have to say it was her legs. You can put that down. Her legs and right where her legs meet her back. That actually, that whole area. That and, and above it. That when is, they're cutting back and forth between everybody talking through like who who and what they are, it's and it's such a so genius good. way to like give you the like little snapshot of who everyone is. Uh-huh, like it's totally. it's like a quick and dirty. How do they react to this guy? Their attitudes, their their humor, the every phrase that comes out of their mouths. You're like, oh, this is exactly who I'm supposed to see. Totally. 
every every character on that ship is so mm-hmm. interesting in such a different way. Yeah. And if you're not in love with Wash by the end of this episode, you're crazy. What's <laughs> no, wrong with you? I mean, you. if you're not in love with Wash by the end of the first episode, you're crazy. Right. Just really all of the characters. Yeah. Um, the, the whole episode, not just the interrogation scene, but it's really reinforcing. Like, the first three episodes really are each a pilot in their own way. Totally. It's really driving home the story. We start off with Simon giving Inara, like, a breakdown on, oh, my sister's crazy because they tortured her, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to fix her, but we're fugitives right. now. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that, how yeah. they, they're kind of reiterating that yep. same plot point mm-hmm. a third time because yep. if the first pilot didn't air and the second pilot was this, you know, rompy like yeah. jaunt through crime feel good space right yeah <laughs> uh feel good space caper yeah, they have to like reestablish the reavers and mm-hmm. a little bit more information about who uh, about the fact that you know simon and river are fugitives yeah and why and why exactly yeah, yeah. so they they mm-hmm. reiterate all that again and i just really like that i mean not knowing the behind the scenes stuff the first time i saw this i really liked the fact that uh, the the show is going out of its way to establish things for right. me, <laughs> like over yeah. and over. And yeah. I need that. Otherwise, I start to forget what's happening because I'm a very forgetful person. I think it's Tim Minear's, um personal philosophy that the first like six episodes or so of any show need to be like basically the pilot for mm. like if people just jump in, they're like, oh, I didn't realize the first couple episodes already aired or they're just like flipping channels or whatever, like you need to reestablish the main storyline without being obvious about it uh-huh. for the first multiple episodes just to make sure that like the point is clear yeah and what i love about it is that uh it makes it makes it feel more like these things are actually happening to these people mm-hmm. like if i were simon tam and i was on the run it would be on my mind all the time. Right. And I it's, would bring it up in every conversation. Right. Like, in case you didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> Guys. Like, his whole yeah. world has been de- redefined by the fact that he's mm. now on the run. I mean, he was like a rich kid who he's never had to worry kid. about anything his whole yeah. life. And now he's like living with, you know, pirates in space and he's on the run with his sister. Like, that would define <laughs> his reality. So the yeah. fact that he is always thinking about it, always worried about River, mm-hmm. always worried about, you know, being on the run and brings yeah. it up a lot. You know, sure, it like serves a purpose to kind of make sure the audience knows what the show is doing, but, but it also it shows feels us, real. It yeah. feels like he's a person who's talking to to me right. personally, and it's, I like it's him, true you know? to that character. Like it's totally. reinforcing um, the consistent message that he is the very core of who he is. He's a big brother. He's looking out for his little sister. Like, uh-huh. That that is who Simon is. Right. So if he strays from that at all, you start to wonder what's going on here so they were really really good about the writing in that and for every single person too you know Mm -hmm. like something comes up naturally in every episode that fits into the wheelhouse of that character like inara all ends up talking about what it means to be a companion Mm -hmm. a lot and you know why that's important for mal to have someone like that around Mm -hmm. like they it doesn't take its own premise for granted it develops every aspect of the of the premise and every aspect of the characters yeah. so well throughout the course of the episodes. Yeah. Um, I just am always floored. Like, I've seen this probably 50 times now. Yeah. <laughs> and every time you rewatch it, it just feels so cohesive and brilliant. And you're just in awe of what these two guys did. Totally. Yeah. I love the basketball scene in the beginning. I guess basketball <laughs> is the wrong word. I don't it's know what really, that game's called. I don't know. It's like space loops. Space ball, loops. Sp- space loops. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the, good. They're <laughs> throwing a ball through a yeah. a metal loop. Yeah, and they kind of hang on a lantern on the fact that there doesn't seem to be any actual rules that yeah. they're playing by. They're just throwing a ball around. You know, they're it just... reminds me when I was a kid. Like my grandpa, my grandma and grandpa had a swimming pool, mm-hmm. and we'd go over and like. Sometimes we'd play with, like, a basketball or something in the pool. Yeah. And one time we had a group of people there. My, I think my sister, maybe my friend Dan. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. remember who was there. But we were playing, basically, some sort of basketball-like game, but there were no rules. Yeah, you're just throwing a ball around and yeah, you're having fun. Yeah, we're throwing a ball just, around. Just, like, <laughs> whooping and hollering and, you know, and, blowing like, up scoring, some steam. like, didn't 
mean anything, but we yeah. were keeping score anyway. Yeah. But we we're making up as and we like went celebrating along and, as one person like yeah. throws the ball through the hoop or whatever. But totally. Like, but no, there's not necessarily even teams. Yeah. And there's not even really like a goal. Like yeah. you're not trying to hit a certain cap or anything. You're just goofing off. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I that and that's what this felt like to me. Like a bunch of little kids in a pool, and yeah. it just felt like such a cohesive <laughs> group of friends. Yeah. And you just, I don't know, man. Like, I, you just don't see shit like this in on TV. Yeah. You don't see stuff that, like, puts that much time and effort into showing how these people are fully formed people. Yeah. And it's that that scene right there, it's not just what they're doing and, and like, what they're saying and what's going on with the, like, ex- explanation that Simon's doing. You can actually, by looking at where everyone is standing, tell whether they are, like whether they feel like they belong on the ship or whether uh-huh. they're outsiders. Totally. Like Simon and River and Inara are all up on the catwalk looking down at everyone else having fun. Totally. Like they don't quite belong. They're on the ship, but just slightly off to the side like. <laughs> yeah, and you can't even imagine Inara playing playing Right, like space there's loops. there's no way that she'd be playing space loops. That's that's crazy. <laughs> Not in that dress. <laughs> but but Shepard Book is like trying to get into the fun, which I love too. Yeah, he I really love the dynamic that he has with Jane. Like they, mm-hmm. inst- they're on different sides of the spectrum morally, but they instantly bonded. You'll see them throughout the show, like playing games, lifting weights together. That's right. They're, sometimes they're in the the galley and they're like eating food together or playing cards. But yeah, like they have a special bond that is. It's so heartwarming. <laughs> I never really thought about that before. Yeah, totally. Yeah. They they kind of they spend a lot of time. They kind of yeah they spend a lot of time together. But it's totally like an unspoken relationship because yeah. Jane is not the type to talk. Right. So He's I feel like book is the type iconic, to reach out. I guess. <laughs> yeah, but I think Jane is a very lonely person. I think that yeah. he doesn't really know how to express himself and mm-hmm. doesn't even think that he should try ever. So because of that, he ends up being kind of lonely. Yeah. And I think that it's like Shep- Shepard Book's the type of person that wants to reach out to everyone. So mm-hmm. uh, so that is a nice pairing. It's like a natural fit. Yeah, they're opposites, but but they've attracted a little. And it's yeah. not even just like a book is trying to convert him or anything. It's just they're comfortable with yeah. each other. I don't think book is trying to convert anyone. He's really, he doesn't push anything too hard. And yeah. Every now and then it's like, oh, by the way, I'm a shepherd. I'm going to remind you of that. But yeah. it's not really actively you know, I, preachy. You know what I love about him is, <laughs> is actually kind of epitomized in this episode is like, he isn't trying to convert anybody, but he has a very mm-hmm. strong sense of what's right and wrong according yeah. to his faith. Uh-huh. And if he... It's it's not like he is there to change people's minds. He's there to make sure that the things that he believes are attended to. Mm-hmm. Like when when these people are, you know, mutilated by the Reavers on this other ship, yeah. Book is the one who insists that they be buried. Right. Know? He brings because it up first. Because that's the thing that like really matters to him. Yeah. It's not whether or not he convinces everyone else that he's right. It's that this needs to be done mm-hmm. according to his beliefs. Yeah. Well, and he was the one who first recommended that they stop when they came right. across the totally. ship in the first place. We like, have to do the right thing and we, we should... have to help these people. Yeah. Totally. He says, yeah. should I remind you of the Good Samaritan? Like, right. He's, he's the one who's nudging everyone in that direction, but not actively trying to like guilt anyone. Just kind of a little push in the right direction totally and he represents i think the the positive side of religion mm-hmm. which i think is very uh underrepresented and i think honestly is probably you know i don't want i don't want to say it's like underrepresented because it's more rare but in but TV, I, though. I run into it less in in tv and in life yeah. you know usually people True. are using religion if, if, if religion is coming up, it's because people are using it against you in some way Generally. or like trying to change your mind in some way. Yeah. You don't often see someone who just has like this. Like, and I think this is because like the positive sides of religion are usually something that people keep to themselves. <laughs> because if you're if you're bringing it up to try to change someone's mind, like that's going to leave a bad impression. Right. But if it's helping you have a sense of what's good and bad in the world, like you're not going to be necessarily preaching about that all the time. Right, that's kind of a personal thing for a lot of people, where yeah. it's like the the good side of it is just something that they you know hoard to themselves. Totally, um, yeah, and that seems so much healthier to me. Like if it seems like the faith seems healthier if it mm-hmm. is something that's strong internally that you don't feel the need to make anyone else believe. 
Because yeah. I feel like when you feel the need to make someone else believe it, you're it's for validation. Your, yeah, you're trying to convince yourself by making other people believe it too. Like, totally. Like yeah. Power in numbers. If everyone believes it, then I'm not wrong. Totally. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. you don't often see someone who just has a strong faith and yeah. is made better for it. And I feel like book is that character in a really cool way that I really like. Yeah. Part of that's the writing, but part of it's also Ron Glass, mm-hmm. the the actor who plays book is was a a buddhist in real life and he brought his own spin on on this future preacher um it's not necessarily anything that is based on one religion in the present it's kind of a a mishmash of things you know 500 years in the future yeah and he brought a little bit more of a a zen aspect of it um from his own personal beliefs that's super cool yeah. yeah, I it I was worried the first time I watched the show. I always think of this, you know. The first time I saw that there was going to be a a shepherd on the ship, I was a little disappointed because I'm like, oh, that's going to be boring. Right. You know, that's going to be obnoxious. Someone's going to preach at me every episode. Great. Yeah. Oh, here's the moral of the story, guys. Totally. <laughs> yeah. But it's not that at all. I mean, yeah. I I love that character, right. and I he's so nuanced and yeah, totally. And, like from the get go, you realize that there's more to him than just you know, Bible thumping, uh, collar wearing guy. He's, yeah. he's got a past. He's a human. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny that I, we talked to, I think we mentioned briefly how this is kind of like the opposite of Star Trek in a couple of ways. Did we talk about that in an earlier podcast? I think so. We touched on it, it a little up. bit. Yeah. Like one, one thing that always sticks out to me is like the fact that you see someone go to the bathroom because you've never seen that I in know, Star Trek. Like establishing <laughs> where the toilet is people like immediately. Like, people still pee. People have needs. Yeah. <laughs> But the other thing is that yeah. in the Star Trek future, humanity has kind of moved past religion. So yeah. I feel like putting a religious figure or a religious person on the ship was mm-hmm. maybe another like anti-Star Trek thing. Because I actually read an interview from Joss saying that the reason you see someone's pee is because he, he was always so pissed that you never saw that on Star Trek. Right. And he like, shows it in the first episode. These are all robots. No, no right. one goes to the bathroom. <laughs> Although there is a door on the bridge that is labeled head. It is the head. Ah, But so, like, do you ever see the inside? You never see the inside. You never see someone walk in or out of it. There should really be like a bathroom conversation episode where yeah. people like go to wash their hands or whatever. And they're just like, so water cooler conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about stuff. I want to see like Captain Picard order a new heading that's going to take like 26 hours to get there. And as yeah. soon as he's like, engage. And then there's like a I'll line in for the, the head. Ba- <laughs> there's yeah. a, there's like, a queue for the bathroom. Gets up and goes to go pee. <laughs> like, why hasn't that happened? Yeah, that it needs happen. to happen. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I love book. I love the character development. Mm-hmm. I there's there's a couple of moments in this episode that like really really stand out to me. Um, the we've talked. I mean, we've talked about a couple of them, but one of the others is that moment where uh, River and Simon are outside the ship, mm-hmm. and uh, and you see River smile for the first time and be happy when yeah. she looks out into the the vastness of space. It's another one of those defining moments where just in a look you get both of these characters. Totally, yeah. it's so good. Like. <laughs> Simon looks terrified and he he looks out into space and he's like terrified. Yeah. And then he looks back to like, he's going to be sick. Just like, Oh no, what did I do? Why did I look? (laughs) But river's like having this, you know, amazing experience looking out into the glory of the cosmos. And I think that, I think that she, she, you know, something has happened to her brain and she seems to be having like psychic flashes you know, mm-hmm. especially in this episode where she seems connected to the guy who becomes a reaver. Yeah. But in that moment, she looks out into space and it's empty and it's quiet and yeah. she's happy for a second. Right. She says earlier in the episode that she can't sleep because there's all this screaming and yeah. like every time that guy's around, she panics a little bit. Yeah. But then when they're outside, it's just like blissful for her. <laughs> yeah. It's like the stillness focuses her attention yeah. on nothing mm-hmm. and it's joyous for her. Yeah. And joyous for the audience. When you see that uh-huh. look on her face, she's like, oh, River's happy. Yay. Yeah. And her, she's got such a great smile. Like yeah. when, when River smiles, oh my God. Yeah. Totally yeah. infectious. Yeah. Summer Glau's so great. Oh, she, did you watch Terminator uh, Chronicles? No. Oh, Sarah, Connor Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah. Sarah Connor Chronicles. Or as I like to call it, the Sarah Chronicles. The Sarah Chronicles. The Sarah Chronicles. I think we called it the Sarah Chronomonicles. That's even better. <laughs> the Sarah Chronomonicles. <laughs> I just saw that that's on Go90 for free right now. That's oh, where I've been nice. watching Babylon 5. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I need to rewatch that. Uh, I watched it when it was um, like playing on Fox or whatever yeah. it was. How'd you feel about that show? Um, I really enjoyed parts of it, mm-hmm. uh, and 
uh, Lena Headey was Sarah Connor, right? Yeah, she was She's great. Amazing. She was so good. Yeah. And Summer Glau was awesome and on that Summer show. And Summer Glau is just delightful. Yeah. Uh, I just want to watch her and everything. Lovely. Uh, I, fe- I had conflicting emotions about how they ended it, but right. I guess that's another <laughs> podcast. That's another podcast. <laughs> it, it was very uneven, but it reached some like pretty amazing highs yeah. during its run. It had some really good moments. I enjoyed it watching it. Terrible episodes, but like when it was good, it was great. Yeah. But it was just so cool to see Summer Glau in another mm-hmm. show. I, I'd love to see her in something new. I mean, th- her dancer's training is so evident so in her performances. Good. Like yeah. the way she uses her body is mm-hmm. so conscious. And I love that most of the things that she's in, the people making that show or movie or whatever use that they're like Uh oh man you can bend over and like your face can come into frame with your feet at the same time or (laughs) like you can kick someone around a pole behind you or like totally oh you want to explore what it's like to be human let's have you dance (laughs) i mean her dancing ability is 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 what gave her her big break Mm -hmm. because joss whedon put her in an episode of Angel. Angel, where she yeah. was a ballerina dancer. Yeah, she was a prima ballerina in one of my least favorite Angel episodes. <laughs> but wait, I wait. love... Why do you hate that episode? Is it because of because the of Cordelia. Angel Cordelia? Cor- yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. That storyline. <laughs> I mean, I love everything that doesn't involve the two of them in that episode. The, re- yeah. the, the rest of the episode where she's like a, a trapped in a ballerina loop uh-huh, of uh-huh. like playing the same thing for this wizard dude. That over was and really over. interesting. That's great. And it yeah. was fun. And she was good. And I just uh, grumble, grumble. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. So I, I, I love that about that actress. Yes. Um, and it's, yeah, I love seeing a little more depth to her character this time because we've only seen really like one note from her, which is detached and maybe a little unhinged. Yeah. And this time you got a sense of um, like maybe who she used to be, just like a you hair. See, you see a glimmer of like, oh, there's still a sane person in there. Yeah. Like when she's smiling uh-huh. or, or... When she asks Simon if they can go again. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go <laughs> again. Great. I love that moment. Yeah. Just just glimmers of like, oh, there's there's somebody in there. Yeah. Which totally. they get to explore further down the road. But Yeah. I, I, there's like great moments for every single main character mm-hmm. in this episode, and I think in pretty much every episode, there's like like the characters are just used so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking this time how if I were writing this show, I would feel like these characters were all toys that I got to play with because they're all so much fun. <laughs> right? What do I get to do with them? Yeah, yeah. like Kaylee looking. Kaylee's like so happy go lucky, and then so. Mm-hmm. Like, mortified by the Reavers, and then so happy that Mal makes this, like, pretty speech about letting the people be laid to rest. Yeah. And then when she, when they find the booby trap, she's like, oh, yeah, I can take care of that. No problem. She, like, doesn't even phase her yeah. that they might blow up. She's like, <laughs> you can tell she's, like, a little nervous, but yeah. but she's, like, just a badass. She's like, yeah, I, I understand machines, and I, I can see from here yeah. on this view screen how this was done. Mm-hmm. And I could probably take care of that. <laughs> Yeah, she's, she's very right. she's very competent. Like yeah. even when they go over onto the the derelict ship and she's in the engine room with Simon, like looking at stuff, she takes like a minute maybe, and then she's like, "There's nothing wrong with this ship. Right. Everything works fine. Totally. It's good." <laughs> yeah, Zoe did the same thing where she walked into the bridge and she's like, "Nothing was turned off. The power drained." Yeah. Um, from the the ship's core, whatever she says. Yeah, you can tell these people are all very competent at what they do. Yeah. Um, and just it's very so well written and like succinct and just it only takes like 10 seconds to convey this person knows what they're talking about (laughs) yeah what do you think of uh what do you think of zoe's line where jane is talking about the reavers and zoe's like like, you'll scare scare the women (laughs) i think it's very zoe Um, it's so zoe she's she's taking a a jibe at him like you're you're acting like a just a complete scaredy pants right now and just like you're freaking out everyone else is keeping their cool right. keep it together and taking a jibe at him because he's like this masculine big tough dude who's always that's like, something strong that he would tough. say yeah, yeah because he's kind of like a a, a jerk that uh, way yeah and it's she's really like, funny when she's being it, such though. a girl <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a good line. She has a, she has a couple of good good lines in this one. Mm-hmm. Well, the the pilot um, when they mention Reavers briefly um, in Serenity, you see the same reaction from Jane, um, which oh, is yeah. he's this big, strong, tough dude. But you even mention Reavers, and he loses his shit. 
Like yeah. he's like, I'm not going anywhere near that. We need to get out of here, Reavers. That's no, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, which is great writing because like it really makes the audience scared too. Right. Like, like we don't even have this? to see them to know Every that that's Every single scary. person is terrified. Yeah. You know, all of these hero characters are yeah. all terrified <laughs> of these Reavers. Mm-hmm. Um, Except for the people who've never met them before. So you'll notice. Oh, right. Um, Book kind of has a, a flippant. He's uh-huh, like, totally. oh, I'm not too convinced about that. They're, they might be men to. I believe re- in a higher power that yeah. heals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, they might be too removed from other people, but they're just men. Right. It's like, well, you've clearly never met a Reaver <laughs> or right. seen the carnage of what Reavers actually do. Like, yeah. you've never seen the aftermath. I totally was thinking about that this time, thinking how. It's it's great that Book was like right about some stuff and wrong about this some stuff yeah. in this episode. Yeah. I feel like so everyone kind little, of is. He's a little sheltered. Yeah, it's like between <laughs> between the whole crew, they can come to a consensus about what the best thing to do is. But mm-hmm. if any of those people were left to themselves, they would fuck up quite a bit. Yeah, which is the beauty of an ensemble cast uh-huh. like this. Like totally. they're stronger together. They're a family unit, and they take care of each other. Yeah, and I think Mal's greatest strength is being able to to just have a gut instinct about what the best course of action is. Mm-hmm. And uh, he usually has good ideas, but if someone presents something better, then he just like pivots instantly. He's like, yep, that's the best thing. Let's do that. Yeah. He incorporates information into his decisions. Which yeah. He's a great leader. Yeah. And he also, he kind of uses that against people sometimes, <laughs> like where he, he makes that pretty speech about like laying people to rest, but yeah. it's just because he wants to, to get people distracted, get from them the distracted facts. from the fact that they've been booby trapped. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't want them all standing around and worrying about the like little view screen and watching yeah, it go totally. down. But, was it, was it being distracted that time or was it the time where he's like, Oh, but we could go look for both stuff. He does it twice. He does it twice. I yeah. guess he does. Doesn't yeah. he? He, yeah. he uses the, uh, the fact that there's, salvageable goods on this ship to look for potential survivors right and then he also uses that's, that's what it is the, that's it. Yeah. the pretty flowery speech of putting people to rest and giving them a funeral to distract the crew right away from the dirty work that needs to happen that's right he does it twice in yeah. this episode that's so funny <laughs> yeah yeah i and i like that uh the show is not presenting him as someone with a strong moral center mm-hmm. so you don't have to side with his decisions or not like you kind of do in shows like star trek or babylon 5 yeah. like when I'm, I'm watching babylon 5 right now and if sheridan makes a bad decision or if sheridan the captain sheridan does something that i don't agree with or i don't think is a good moral decision mm-hmm. then it kind of ruins like what the the show is trying to say because the show oh. is trying to present him as like this great moral character right. like captain picard is very similar so if captain yeah. picard does something that seems immoral it just feels like bad writing because he yeah. wouldn't do that so I love that this show kind of frees itself mm-hmm. to do... This is exploring, like, around all the edges. Uh-huh. Of, the gray like, area. Yeah, the gray yeah. area, exactly. Yeah, totally. And, exactly. and I think the gray area is so fascinating mm-hmm. and feels more like real life to me it, than Yeah, it feels things. more believable. Like, yeah. you never have to stay within a set certain, like, narrow path. Yeah. Like, you can jump around the borders a little bit totally like star trek is my ideal future but firefly is what i think might be more real to what our future might be more plausible (laughs) yeah in which case like you and i are gonna have to get a ship and get the fuck out (laughs) uh yeah yes please (laughs) which reminds me you kind (laughs) of look like a brown coat today yeah um with your amazing outfit doing a little bit of casual cosplay as mal i'm doing (laughs) suspenders and it's so good like khaki pants and brown boots it's very good it's actually (laughs) it's it's casual so like if you weren't paying attention it would slide by and you're just like that's an interesting outfit <laughs> totally yeah 100 percent. but yeah. like talking about firefly with someone who looks like a brown coat yeah. way fun yeah. super fun <laughs> i <laughs> Glad. i feel a little bad that i'm not dressed like a brown coat because it's probably not as much fun for you as uh, i'm having <laughs> well next time we can i can bring the jane hats back yeah i'll have to go shopping okay i i should have a brown coat outfit yeah goodwill it's right over there Ugh. mondays go i love goodwill that goodwill's <laughs> awesome ours is good we live in a really fun neighborhood so you find some interesting little treasures yeah totally yeah, yeah absolutely speaking of stuff and uh costumes and things i want to talk a little bit about the sets and and the costumes actually that you see in this episode so yeah. we've already mentioned um the starship troopers 
uniforms that right. you see on the, um, on the alliance they call troopers them pur- purple bellies purple bellies that's right <laughs> but uh yeah so you see a lot of reused stuff uh-huh. in firefly and apparently the uh the derelict ship was in a power rangers um uh-huh. episode or something i don't know i i missed the, the set i missed that boat i never i never actually saw it but that's hilarious yeah like the whole like where they're filming the set um was totally a different thing that's that, so interesting i was thinking about that I'm like wow they had to build a whole set for another spaceship no you think of watching it you're like wow they did a really good job with like moving things around and making it look like a totally different ship no it was a totally different set interesting. they didn't just move stuff but i was thinking it was like serenity sets with the lights turned off yeah and like repurposed and yeah. like add some duct tape here but totally <laughs> um yeah that and you'll see a lot of um like just like props throughout the show um later on in ariel there's there's a weapon that gets used uh in dr horrible which have you seen dr horrible i have yeah okay good have you have you done the commentary version which is a totally separate musical what yeah okay well that's gonna be a future thing oh my god yeah it's called commentary the musical what (laughs) oh my god yeah i had no idea yeah i really want that now it's really fun well We'll oh do that God. again. That's exciting. Um, but yeah, so you see a lot of um, things in the Joss Whedon universe that just get like recycled actors and props and, <laughs> and, and things that they borrow from other famous sci-fi things. And yeah. Just like reusable bits. That's super cool. Which, which I love. There are people who like, or there are websites out there where you can read about what props were used for what in Star Trek and how they were reused over and over. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, like this set was turned into the sickbay for Voyager and then mm. it was turned into the sickbay for Enterprise or something. Yeah. That's not, that's not an actual example. Right. But, but there's like, like, you a... can like tr- read about, actually, you know, on uh, Memory Alpha, which is this awesome Star Trek Wikipedia, mm-hmm. in that episode notes, sometimes they will have prop notes of where you can see like... Like this Easter egg this stuff room was of... also the this room from this other planet in this other episode. Nice. Like if if you turn this around and painted mm-hmm. it this color, it would be that thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's so cool. That's really fun. I love the just like behind the scenes stuff where you get to see um, people really paying attention and just like freeze framing it and going like one frame at a time to totally. see just things that you would not have otherwise noticed. Yeah, you pointed out to me in the first episode of Firefly that there's a mm-hmm. Han Solo and Carbonite on the shelf in Badger's like Yeah, you'll office. see it multiple times throughout the uh, series. It pops up a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like who who noticed that the first time and yeah, like who no went one. through and combed through every background detail of that like someone spent some serious hours watching this yeah and that's something that i love about this show is that it but you can yeah it, yeah you can <laughs> totally yeah, yeah. And this show makes you want to because yeah. it's like wow this is so well put together what mm-hmm. if i pause and look at that shelf yeah. is that han solo and carbonite <laughs> and then exactly. you're like doing it to the whole fucking show i mean yeah. you'll see and oh. you, you also pointed out the imperial shuttle in the, in that episode yeah that in I'd serenity there's uh when they're on persephone you see a it's a like a Lambda 4 class or something with the wings that fold up. Yeah, the one from uh, yeah. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. That the Alliance, the Rebel Alliance steals. Um, speaking of freeze frame stuff, there is on the passenger log on the derelict ship, um, someone um, paused it enough to be able to read the the um, text entry uh-huh. of, of their um, thing. And it goes, passenger 4352, Schultz, comma Sharon. I received a communication regarding the shipment and have been apprised of the situation awaiting us upon arrival at the docking bay as well. I have been assured that every precaution has been taken to ensure the safe arrival and expedient dispersion of said materials. All is under control. We'll contact representative upon arrival. And then it's like all mushed together, but it's someone else's entry. Passenger 4399, Robinson, Johan. Today, my darling, for the first time, I regret embarking on this journey. You just like someone stopped wow. the screen and like it's not super clear. Like when I, every time I watch it, I'm like, how did they did they blow it up on like a projector on the side of a building? How did they get that much detail out of That's it? So cool. Because like as a fan, I want to be able to pause any frame and look anywhere and have the world be real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Sometimes when you do that, though, it like ruins oh, it's the nonsense. Yeah, yeah, they just they just put nonsense in there. Yeah, like some of the stuff 
I, I took a tour in Vegas of the of a a remade Enterprise D bridge mm-hmm. that was exactly the same as the one that they shot on. Yeah, including all of the the fucked up buttons that said dumb things oh. on, t- on Worf's tactical station as yeah. jokes because they were never shown <laughs> on screen. Yeah. Um, and I loved seeing that in like in person. I thought that was so cool that like mm. if you get close enough to a lot of this shit on TV, it's just like it's just nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to put in this type of detail. Right. Like, you don't have to. Carrie and Meyer the choice did to a do really it amazing is job like on the sets. kind of amazing and yeah. and kind of a gift to fans. I feel like if if a mm-hmm. show is going to take this that seriously, that they're going to fill in every inch and every corner of this world with something yeah. interesting yeah. and something real to the world like that's fucking cool it's, it's like, like a labor so of cool. love like, absolutely you can tell that from not, the top to the bottom not just the creators and the directors and the actors but like everybody that made this show loved it yeah um from the music to the props to the editing just like moments that are true works of art like Uh this was crafted with love yeah totally the music in that moment where river's looking out into space Mm -hmm. is a huge part of why that moment's so impactful yeah it's really cool yeah it really sells it yeah fucking good show love it so how many veras do you give this episode Oh, man. Bushwhacked is hard for me because while the character development is really good and I love how dark it is, it's just not my favorite episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still amazing. Um, judging it against all other TV, I love it. Yeah. But grading on the curve of my favorite Firefly episodes, I'd have to go with like... Like a five or a six. Okay. Maybe. Where are there's you just, There's just... Five or six. We need an official number. <sighs> Let's go with 5.5. 5.5. Five and Done. a half Veras. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> five and a half Veras. Yeah. It's just... I don't know. It's It's got really amazing moments, but there's something about it that just leaves it not... Like, if I'm going to rewatch any episode, Bushwalked is usually my last choice for mm-hmm. some reason. It's just not... Yeah. It's not the best. I totally hear what you're saying. Like, I think, like, like we keep saying, like, compared to TV in general, yeah. it's a 10 out of 10. Oh, obviously. Yeah. This is, this, yeah. this is where it's at. Like, it was such a strong episode. You could watch just this and get the entire story. Oh, totally. And have a really yeah. compelling time. Right. But compared to Firefly episodes, it's, it's nowhere near as much fun as, or, or as emotionally impactful as some of the others. Right. Like, it's dark and I love that, but it's not. It's not what I remember most about the entire show. Yeah. But there are moments that I love mm-hmm. in this episode. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I I love just like little standalone snippets that are amazing for each character, for the ensemble, for yeah. setting the tone. It's crucial, and I would never get rid of this episode, but it's just totally. if I have to choose one or two episodes, it's never going to make the cut. Yeah. I think I feel pretty equally about this one as I do about the pilot. Mm-hmm. I, I think I rated the pilot as a seven. Yeah, and I, I like I I love both of them, but they're but they're definitely not like the top of my list. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm feeling like a seven for Bushwhacked for me. Seven but is good. It's hard, but but I don't know. I mean, it. I don't look forward episode. to it as much as I look forward to Serenity. I think. Yeah. Like. If I'm if I'm on a rewatch one, mm-hmm. I don't I you know but the the moment the character development moments, mm. I think if we were just taking like the story of this episode, it would be like a five or six for me. But yeah. that that interrogation scene alone <laughs> no. is and the the basketball game mm-hmm. like there's moments in this episode where so, I feel like I'm with my family moments uh, of with levity my crew, and you stuff know? that are good. like. I, the like when I had a dream once that I was a part of the Firefly crew and it was one of my favorite dreams That's I've ever best. had because yeah. well, I just want to be on that ship and a part of that crew space loops with the guys I want to play space loops yeah. and because of the space <laughs> loops like this episode just still yeah I know I do I take that back I look forward to this one a lot when I rewatch it because mm-hmm. of that stuff yeah like, it's so dark and hard to watch because of the because the Reaver stuff is really disturbing mm-hmm. but that's also like a necessary part of of the show because the show kind of represents right. like the the ecstasy and like the terror of life. <laughs> right. This is um 
really showing how hard it is. Like, yeah. not only are there people out there that want to, like, flay you and hang you up from the ceiling of your own ship, but, yeah. like, the government's out to get you. And right. You're just trying to survive and get enough money to fuel your ship so you can keep flying. And, like, right. It shows how hard it is. It's so good. I'm giving it a seven. Okay. I'm, I'm, I do feel actually pretty comparable. I'm, I'm sticking with that statement that yeah. I feel like this is comparable with the pilot. I, I understand that. I, yeah. I, I have to grade on a curve. Totally. But... <laughs> I, I feel you, though. I feel you. Like, yeah. this one I was conflicted on. Mm-hmm. Uh, my memory of it, I'm like, I'll probably give it, like, a six. But then watching it again, I'm like, fuck, it's, I like it so much. Yeah. And I don't know. I just love this show. <laughs> the whole show. Oh, man. Coming up next is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The one where they go to the ball. Yep. What's that episode called? Shindig. Shindig. Uh, <laughs> that is... The, the, oh, I love... I'm going to stop talking because I, I want to keep talking about it. Well, one of my favorite Joss writers wrote that. Jane is it es- Jane Espenson? It's nice. Jane Espenson. And I didn't she realize writes, that. She writes the like quirky, fun episodes like Band Candy of Buffy where you're just uh-huh. like, what is this? Ah! Yeah. She's got <laughs> such a great sense of humor. Yeah. And she's got such a great sense of fun. Mm-hmm. Just whimsy. And whimsy. Yeah. Totally. She's so whimsical. I, I She's amazing. Her. I love her too. She's really good. So. Yeah. Like if, if you're not familiar with Jane Espenson, she's written for all of your favorite shows. Yeah. She's been around and she's written some of the best episodes of your favorite shows. Right. Yeah. yeah so. Like she's written for Buffy and Angel, obviously, but mm-hmm. she also wrote for, for Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time yeah. and uh, Battlestar Galactica. She was one of the main writers of that show. Yeah. She's I think that's a, I think that's accurate. One of the main writers. I don't know. I I didn't watch all of Battlestar Galactica. Oh. I'm just gonna mumble into the mic there. Yeah. I, I watched the first two um, seasons of the recent show, the uh-huh. the reboot. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, another podcast. Another perhaps. podcast. <laughs> we're we're gonna fall down all these podcast holes. Yeah, we'll leave them. We'll just jump over them. Yeah, that's because we're put a pin in that for later. Totally. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I can't wait to talk about Shindig. Yeah, uh, it's. One I can't of my wait favorites. to watch Shindig. I know it's just delightful every time I watch it. Totally, and it's getting the, up there. But <laughs> I'd like to. I'd like to reiterate how much fun this is. Like having a almost weekly thing that we're hanging out and watching TV and then talking about it after yeah. is super fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's the best the show's the best it brings you together with friends like yeah. people who enjoy firefly you know instantly that you're gonna get along with them that's like one of the first things that made me realize you know what jesse we're gonna be friends yeah totally <laughs> and the fact that you came over dressed like malcolm reynolds well you know I'm a <laughs> which is of, like there's no one else here but miles you, you know you gotta, you gotta geek out even if no one can see it totally <laughs> i love that. i really appreciate that i think that's super true like i i have worn things alone that made me really happy you know? Know. <laughs> because they were so nerdy. Right. It just it feels yeah. right. Like no one else can tell you're wearing Star Trek underwear, but you do it anyway. But you know. Yeah. yeah. You totally. <laughs> All right. This was awesome. Thank you, Jane. Absolutely. Thank you. You save his core on life. He still takes the cargo. I'm done. You had to. Couldn't let us profit. Couldn't be civilized. Continue Firefly with Shindig, one of my absolute favorite episodes. Can't wait to talk about it with Jane. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the show, you can check us out on Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash Sci-Fi, where you can sign up to uh, support the show financially for as little as $1 a month. Uh, anything is extremely appreciated. I've got some new Mario Maker videos that have come out, which I highly recommend. I, I have one that's called I Can't Believe I Do This For Fun, and it's got, it features a song that I wrote uh, because I started humming something or singing something while I was playing this extremely difficult Mario Maker level, and it was a catchy little hook that I turned into a whole song that's like 20 seconds long that I plopped into the video. Uh, so I'm really enjoying all that type of stuff. You can check that out on my YouTube page, youtube.com slash jessemercurysci-fi. And everything that I make is on my website, jessemercury.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate you. Until next time, stay nerdy out there. Stay nerdy out there.